This episode is sponsored by Rulin Group. There are four gifts I've received over the years that really stood out, and the common link between all of them is each one was sourced through the Ruling Group. If you want to deliver amazing gifts that capture people's attention, go to GiversEdge.com to learn more. Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, I'm joined by Derek Coburn, author of the best-selling book, Networking is Not Working. Derek is the de facto guru in the world of building valuable networks. We're going to talk about the mistakes that most people make when trying to build networks. We're going to talk about how you can build a valuable network and specifically how you can create amazing value for your clients that leads to business for them as well as for you. Derek also runs a group called Cadre in the Washington, D.C. area. It's like the most respected networking group on the planet. You're going to learn a ton about how to build a valuable network from Derek Coburn. Derek Coburn, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Ian. Thanks for having me. So excited to be here. I'm just thrilled to have you on because you are the master when it comes to building valuable networks. And there's so much that people can learn from you. So what I want to start with, maybe counterintuitive, which is, what are the big mistakes that you see people make when it comes to networking? Because let's face it, it's the bane of existence for a lot of people. They hate networking. So why do they hate it? And what are the mistakes that people often make? Well, I think there's a, there are a lot of mistakes. So, you know, as you can imagine, one of the questions I get a lot from people is, uh, why, why do you feel like networking is not working? And I think that there are a couple reasons for that. And one of them is... The, the word itself, uh, if you were to ask people to define networking or think of a couple of words that come to mind when they think of the word networking, you're going to get such a wide range. I mean, some people consider the word to be an adjective, others nouns, some think it's a verb. Uh, and I, you know, some, some view it as a way to get new clients, as a way to pitch their services. And I think ultimately, at the end of the day, your success when it comes to networking uh, is going to be dependent upon your ability to align yourself with others who define it the same way as you. So, you know, the the second the second primary reason why I feel like networking is not working is the 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 close association in everyone's mind with uh, the networking event itself and going to these large networking events. And and you know, my my the way I define networking is any activity that increases the value of your network and or the value you contribute to it. And I think that um, if I had to sort of wrap all of this and, and put it together in a, in a nice uh, box with a bow on top, I would say, you know, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of ways that we can network more effectively than by going to events. We can get creative with our clients. We can get creative online. And so uh, I don't think that we need to, to run out to the next mixer in order to meet new people that are ideal for us to meet. Yeah. And there's a couple of things that you, that you touch on there, which is when you look at a network, you think of where are you creating a valuable network and where are you adding value to the people in your network, which may be the opposite of how a lot of people think about it, which is a lot of people think first, 
well, what am I going to get out of this or kind of the quid pro quo model that a lot of these traditional networking groups have, which is, well, you give me something and I'll give you something, even if it's not appropriate at the time. So, I mean, where do you see people kind of fall flat when it comes to the idea of their network? Well, I think that, um, you know, I think that people are focused when they think about networking, they think about meeting new people, growing their network. And I think oftentimes they, they haven't really maximized the value that they are contributing to their existing network and, and in turn, maximizing the value that they're able to extract or receive from their network. So I'll give you an example. You know, if you look at a lot of the, the articles out there for the top 10 networking tips or the, the 15 you know, uh, uh, most valuable networking strategies, I mean, they almost always – involved doing something at a networking event. And one of them that appears on a lot of lists is writing a handwritten note after you connect with someone. And I think this is a really bad idea. I think it's a waste of time for a lot of reasons, but I think the primary reason is, look, if you are you know, if you're writing handwritten notes to people that you just met, I want to know if you're also writing handwritten notes to your best clients. I want to know if you're also writing handwritten notes to your spouse, because if you're not writing handwritten notes to your wife, you probably shouldn't be writing a handwritten note to the accountant that you met on Tuesday night at the event that you went to. And I think the same thing applies with events. Should you run off to the next event uh, before you invest more time uh, in an effort to deepen the existing great relationships that you already have. Well, it's, it's, it's funny you say that. It reminds me of, I think it's Jason Dorsey. I might, be, I might be improperly attributing this, but Jason Dorsey, who speaks a lot about millennials, said, look, you know, everyone gives everybody this advice about handwritten notes. And as millennials, darn it, we, we don't even know cursive. Like, we can't even write or read cursive. So don't send me a handwritten note. It doesn't have a lot of impact for me. Um, but so it's like, gee, you sent me a handwritten note. That's nice. That's something I can throw away. Is there something instead you can send somebody that's of value to that end? If I'm, let's say somebody who's in business development, I'm sales, I'm a CEO, where do I look for the value of my network? How do I measure the value of the network that I'm building? You know, I think it all starts with your very best clients. And and by the way, I just met Jason Dorsey. I, I wouldn't have known the name had, had we done this two weeks ago, but I just met him at, at Mastermind Talks conference that I went to and uh, got to chat with him a little bit. He's a great guy. Um, but I think, uh, I think it, at the end of the day, um, for me, networking and doing it effectively for at least in the, in the way I define it, it's the, it's the, it's the intersection of client appreciation and client service with business development. And so all of the success that I've had building a network and all of the success, a lot of, a lot of the people I know, a lot of the people that have read my book has come from this, the, the combining the two, if you will. So I, I feel like that investing the time in your existing clients, getting to know them better, getting to understand what their ideal client looks like and how you can be an extension of their business development and marketing department positions you in a way to reinforce the value you're bringing to them and makes them uh, uh, more excited if you make it easy for them to introduce you to the types of people that you want to meet. Now, now, so hold on a second, because I want to make sure that everybody picked up on that, because obviously you and I know each other well, so I've heard you say this before, but it may catch other people by surprise, which is part of what you're talking about is when it comes to your best clients, 
how are you helping them from a business development standpoint? Not how are you helping you, but how are you helping them? So talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. So look, I mean, if you were to ask yourself, you know, what what is the best thing that that could happen to one of my clients today in terms of in terms of uh, how I could play a role in that. And most people would talk about great customer service and, you know, maybe lowering their fee or getting them a certain certain return on their investment. But the, the thing that would make your client, uh, any of your clients most excited would be if you referred them a great client. And so I think for a lot of us, our primary competition is indifference. I mean, so, you know, I, I, you know, one of my businesses, I'm a financial advisor and, you know, there are attorneys and there's bankers and there are real estate agents. And, uh, you know, I don't think there's that many people walking around saying, gosh, I, I love my, my financial advisor. I love, you know, the, the relationship I have with my attorney. They, they like it fine. And so in order to stand out, in order to be different, I think you need to think creatively about how else you can add value above and beyond delivering the core service that they expect from you. Yeah, and and so that's something that not just for your clients, but for your referral network, if you will, if you're introducing them into the right opportunities, then obviously it's benefiting them and benefiting your clients at the same time. But I also know that in your business, Derek, you're not looking for the quid pro quo. It's not like, well, I referred you two clients, so now I'm expecting you to refer me two clients. So how does that work in the long game? Yeah, I mean, I think that while I'm all for paying it forward, I think that people who show up in any networking setting and they're focused on they're they're overly focused to the point where it's almost weird and and you have your guard up, you know, what's a good referral for you and and what's your ideal client and how can I help you? And it's like, well, we just met three minutes ago, what's, you know, what's the catch here? I think that there are a lot of people that are really, their motives are, are really about what's in it for them. What, what can they get out of it? And they read a lot of really good networking advice out there and decided that, Hey, if I focus on, if I focus on, uh, how I can, you know, pretending like I care about what I can do for them and putting on that front that it might be a quicker path to me getting what I want out of it. So I, I sort of call in my book, I call um, the people that network while focusing on themselves and, and getting something that, um, you know, getting a new client, getting an introduction, those people are practicing networking 1.0. The people that are focused on the quid pro quo, the people that are focused on immediately trying to figure out how they can do something for the person they just met are practicing networking 2.0, where networking 3.0 is showing up, focusing on the existing relationships that you already have. And you're looking to learn more about the people you're meeting for the first time and their challenges and their issues and their opportunities so that you can connect them with people you already know. And I think it's a far, it's far less riskier than, than, you know, if you try to refer someone to a, to a, a person that you just met, you are setting up someone that you already have a great relationship with. You don't know much about this person's business. You don't know if they're going to deliver value. Whereas networking 3.0 from my standpoint is look, if the person ends up not calling them back, it, it's not the end of the world. But I am in this case, I'm trying to help a couple of people here. I'm trying to solve a person's problem who I'm meeting for the first time by introducing them to a great resource and someone who can take really good care of them. Yeah. And I think that that notion of always being in a position to be helpful is, I mean, something that our friend Jay Bear talks about a lot in his book, Utility. But it's just that notion of making sure that you're always providing value to the other people who you're connected to. And 
I, I just think it's one of those things where eventually people just say, man, how can I do something for this guy? He's always helping us. And it kind of establishes that this is someone who's in for the long game, not the short game. Yeah, you know, and I think that I think that you're right, but I also think that um, that for a lot of us, if we've if we've really invested some time and we've provided great value to our clients over the years, we have a lot of people out there who want to help us, but no one is ever setting aside 30 minutes on a random workday to say, hey, let me think about who I can refer to Ian or who I can refer to Derek. And I think that there is some some burden and it's a good burden uh, on us to make it easy for the people who want to help us to be able to do just that. And, and I, I love that notion of, you know, how do, how do you set aside that time for people who want to help us and how they do that? I know that there's got to be people listening right now thinking, man, there's no way you can build a network of a whole bunch of people who are just trying to help other people. And in fact, you and your wife, Melanie, have built an organization called Cadre that does just that. So tell me about kind of the genesis of Cadre and as a member, I can comment, but I want to hear kind of the background and the backstory first, and then uh, and then I'm going to give you a bunch of plugs because, I, I, as you know, I was a huge skeptic, and now I'm a huge fan. Yeah, well, you know, we didn't even think – we didn't even know if it was going to work at first, and I had been a part of a number of different networking groups and, and – you know, some some cost a lot of money, and I and I sort of thought initially that if I was paying enough money to be part of an organization, that it meant people were really there for the right reasons to see how they could add value for others. And and it wasn't the case. It just it just was you know it just meant that that was people that could afford to throw money at at their problem. And so I said, look, what if there was a way to create a group of people that really were genuinely authentic givers, right? They, they were successful enough and influential enough that they could devote time and they could focus some time on getting to know people, learning about what they had going on, learning about how they could help them. And, you know, the, the very first two months when, uh, when we launched cadre, you know, we didn't charge anybody because we weren't sure if it was going to work, you know, would there still be a lot of people showing up saying, Oh, sure, I'll do this. And then turn around and, you know, throw their business cards around or email everybody that they met at one of the functions. Um, but the result is that by us, not allowing direct solicitation, but but vetting every member who comes in for their intentions and the type of um, and the type of value that they're bringing to the table. The result was everyone let their guard down, and that led to people hiring each other and working together. I think much earlier in the relationship building process than if they had met through more traditional means. Yeah, and and I think also you vetted the group to the point that. You kind of have best of breed across different industries, across different spaces, and it's it's not like you know some of these some of these quote networking groups. And I love that you and Melanie call it unnetworking. Um, some of yep. these networking groups, it's like oh, you couldn't possibly have someone else in your field. The beauty in cadre is that your other business is financial planning, and inside a cadre, you have some of the most respected financial planners. As, as fellow members, but no one's slinging business cards at other people. Everyone's there, I believe, first and foremost, to learn from each other and help each other. And business just kind of happens because you get a whole bunch of like-minded people who respect each other. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I think it's a great, it's a, it ended up being a great 
uh, vetting tool uh, because I feel like anyone that shows interest in cadre and at the same time shows some concern that there is another person or multiple people in the community that do what they do, I have a hard time believing that they have a remarkable business and or uh, an effective way of differentiating themselves if they're worried about that because the people when the people that that do know they have those things checked off they don't care if they're around other people who do what they do they know they're going to stand out to the people they want to stand out to yep and and i think and and it's truly a remarkable group and and as i said before i mean when you when when you and i first talked about it a mutual friend of ours introduced us we didn't know each other at all and i said look you know i i don't really need more business so you know, I'll come by just because I'm interested in what it is, but I don't think I'm going to be in this long term. And when did you guys start, Cadre? About five years ago, a little over five years ago now. A little over five years ago. And I've been a member ever since and on your advisory board. I mean, just and now I'm like one of the biggest fans on the planet. And I started very skeptically. And even though I can point to six figures of business that comes directly or indirectly through Cadre every year, that's like number two or number three on where I get value from the group because I'm surrounded by other people who are just brilliant individuals and we share ideas and it's more about a collective learning than it is business development. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I think that a lot of people would, 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 uh, would echo that. And we're really fortunate. I mean, look, I, I think that a lot, whether it's, whether it's running a formal group or whether it's just building your network, uh, you know, there, there's a certain time to be, to focus on being a good connector. And then there are other times where it's more important to focus on being a good curator. And I, I feel like a lot of, you know, inside of Cadre, a lot of the value that we deliver is in who we keep out. It's in our vetting process. It's who is not coming in and who's, you know, not showing up. And I think that even on a day to day, I mean, I, I've been fortunate to, uh, to meet a lot of influential people over the years, people who are, uh, you know, way more uh, popular and intelligent and resourceful than I am. But once people figure out that I know them, they are emailing me and asking me for introductions. And if I were to send these introductions every time I was asked, I would I would burn I would burn the bridges of those relationships with these with these influential people. So I, I also feel like uh, your ability to to build a valuable network has a lot to do with the role you play in figuring out which connections you're going to make or not. Yeah, one of the, one of the ways I often look at it is, would the person to whom you're making the introduction be appreciative that you introduce that person? Meaning, if if someone was, let's say, struggling through some financial decision they were making, and I say, hey, you should meet Derek, is the person I introduce you to going to say, man, I'm so grateful that you introduced me to Derek. He really helped provide some clarity around this. Or are they going to be like, oh, they gave my name to someone who's just like, you know, pitching me stuff. And I think there's a huge difference there. And a lot of times people just say, oh, well, th- this is someone I want to get referrals from. So I'm going to give them one of my good clients' names. And now they're going to harass that person. Well, it's probably not going to result in business for the person you're referring to. And your client's going to be pissed off that you shared their information. Yeah. And look, and I, and I know that you practice what I practice also, but I, I never send blind introductions. And so, you know, if somebody comes to me and they say, hey, can you, you know, can you introduce me to Dan Pink or introduce me to uh, Jay Bear, since you already, you know, uh, mentioned him, uh, you know, I'm not 
well, I'm going to push them to, 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 to find out, Hey, why do you want the introduction? And, and specifically, you know, is it going to benefit them potentially? And based on their response, if they say, no, I'm just looking to ask them a question, or I'm looking to see if they can come speak at my company for free, then that email never gets sent. But if they say I have a speaking opportunity for one of them and, you know, and we're willing to pay them for it, then I will send in, in this example, Dan or Jane email to say, hey, are you guys interested in this? And only after they say, yes, I'm interested, will I then make that connection. So, you know, James Altucher calls this permission networking, where you're never making an introduction. You're never connecting people um, unless unless you sort of get that double opt-in, if you will. Yeah, you know, and that's great. And something that unwittingly, and I probably learned this from you, I do the same thing. Someone says, oh, can you introduce me to so-and-so? And I always start with, Here's what the stated purpose is. Is that something you're open to? Yes. And if they say, mm, not really, then it doesn't go anywhere because what's the point? I mean, a lot of what I spend time talking to people about is you want to talk to connections where there's a good potential fit and you don't want to waste people's time otherwise. So let's let's jump to kind of the tactics. And I know you have a course around this that, that you're coming out with, but what are some of the things that people can do to build a valuable network. And I know there's a lot of it you cover in Networking is Not Working, um, the book, but what are some of the key things that people could start doing right away to help build a more valuable network? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that first and foremost, uh, a great step for anyone, especially if they, if you have a recurring revenue business model, so you're not just selling something uh on a transactional basis, but you know, I think the majority of your listeners either get paid a retainer or and or have the opportunity to engage a client on a on a regular basis. You know, setting aside 10, 15, 20 minutes to uh, interview your clients because um, what I found is that while a lot of people know their clients, what industry they're in and what and uh, and uh, the 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 types of people they serve to a certain extent, they've never had a conversation with them about who is their ideal client and how will I know if if I'm talking to someone that has a problem that you would solve, to use your words, Ian, right? Like there, there are a lot of, there are a lot of clients out there who a lot of your clients, a lot of I say your, I mean your your audience, who they've never thought about this themselves. So it's like, yeah, I know you're in the IT business, and I know you you sort of do X, Y, and Z. But do we know who they sell to? Do, do we do we know um, the ideal size of the company in terms of revenue or employees? And just taking time to say, hey, as I as I'm building my network or as I've built my network over the years. I want to make sure I have a, a, a much better idea as to what a good opportunity for you looks like. So in addition to being a great financial advisor, in addition to being a great attorney and continuing to del- deliver the same type of, of service that I've been providing over the years, I, I want to be an extension of your sales team. I want to really understand uh, how I can help you by introducing you to clients and adding revenue to your bottom line. Yeah. So that's So the first step is take that 10 to 15 minutes to interview your clients about what's an ideal opportunity for them. It could be a description demographically, but it could also be, here's the condition or circumstance someone would be facing where they would need my help. What, what other ideas do you have that, that can help people create a valuable network? What might be helpful is, you know, I use an acronym in my book 
for connector where C is clients and the TUR stands for trigger ongoing reciprocation. And I have a hunch that that a lot of the people that listen to your show have good clients and have at least a, a good baseline network. And I'm not very good at, you know, that, you know, people ask me, Hey, you know, if I'm looking for a new job, what networking advice do you have for me? And it's like, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I never did that. I, I, I focused on building a network once I had a good base of a few clients and some other people in my world. So if you think it makes sense, I would love to share some ideas around this trigger ongoing reciprocation sure. idea, which is, hey, you've added value for your clients. You've added value for people in your network and they would love to help you. But, you know, what are the things you can do to uh, make it easy on them to, 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 to do just that? OK, so how do we do that? All right. So there's a few things, right? At a very basic level, I feel like there for, for many years, uh, I, I would have clients, you know, every once in a while say to me, oh, I, I have this neighbor or I have this colleague at work that um, I, I told them about you and they're interested in working with you and I'm going to I'm going to make an introduction. And you say, that's that's great. Thanks so much. And, you know, a lot of times those emails never, never come to fruition. Uh, they, they never happen. And I don't think it's because the client or that person changed their mind. I think that people get busy and people have stuff that happens. And so I have a number of, of email templates that I use um, to take the legwork out of it. So where in this example, if a client said that to me, I would follow up with an email saying, hey, thanks for your willingness to make this introduction. Here is a three sentence email that you can copy and paste into a draft to your client to see if they'd be interested in being connected with me and, you know, feel free to tweak it as, as you see fit. And so not only are you giving them something that allows them to easily do what they already want to do, but you're giving them the language and you're giving them the, 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 the action items that you want this person to take. That's going to put you and, and uh, put you in the best light and make you look good. So for example, some people out there don't have an up-to-date website. Well, if you don't do this and a client refers you to someone else and they refer you by saying, take a look at your, at this, you know, my financial advisor's crappy website, it's not going to make you look good, but maybe your LinkedIn profile looks better. Or maybe you wrote a guest blog post recently, and that would be a better way to showcase the services that you provide and who you can help. Yeah, that's great. So, so we, so we have this idea of, you know, of kind of step one, that notion of interviewing your clients, then triggering ongoing reciprocation by once someone says, yeah, I'm open to making an introduction for you, make it really painfully easy for them to just copy and paste and don't rely on them introducing you in a way that you may not want to be introduced. Correct. So you don't want someone saying, oh, Derek picked this great stock for me once. You, yep. want, them to, you want them to describe better the good fit. I got to believe also that the notion of you understanding for your clients what makes an ideal opportunity for them you need to share that kind of information with the people you want to get referrals from. And it can't just be, let's, as a financial advisor, well, anybody with a lot of money. In fact, I know for you, it's a very narrow focus of the ideal clients that you look for. So give, use that as an example of like what you tell your clients is the right fit for you. Yeah, and look, and those, and those client interview calls, I mean, look, your reason for doing it should not be anything other than to genuinely learn more about your clients and how you can help them. But you better have, you better have your good examples ready because 80% of the clients have not thought about this 
and they're going to say, well, can you give me a couple of examples uh, for how you describe uh, how you would describe uh, what an ideal opportunity looks like for you to help me better figure out how I can answer your question? And so for me and, and you know, John Jantz in his book, The Referral Engine, calls these, you know, one example is our trigger phrases. And then I expanded on that to to call certain things triggering events. So what I would tell my clients would would be things like, you know, hey, if you know someone that's thinking about selling their business in the next one to two years, I can probably help them and they're probably going to need to work with someone like me. If you know someone who's getting ready to have a baby in a couple of months. And so there are a lot of triggers. And what I'm doing and what you want your clients to do is arm you with the different data points and the different events that might be going on in people's lives where they're going to have problems and issues that that your clients can solve. Yeah. Which I mean, it just I think this is all stuff that when people hear it, it makes sense. And so I got to wonder, why don't people do this more often? You know, that's a good question. I mean, it's almost like it's it's almost like when you do do it, you're winning by default. But think about how great your clients are going to feel, even if even if you're not ever able to to make an introduction. And I I wouldn't just sort of have these conversations, you know, with everyone. I mean, if you have if you have a client that's a Fortune 1000 business owner and you don't have a lot of connections in that world, then I wouldn't make that promise. Right. But, um, but, you know, just taking the time and the interest to, to, uh, educate your clients, if that happens to be the case. And I know you have a lot of salespeople listening and I mean, like that's really good value. If they've never gone through this exercise themselves, you're providing value, but, but I've never done one of these calls where the client afterward just hasn't felt really great, even better about our relationship because it's like, Hey, you just, you just, you know, offered to learn more about my ideal client to see how you could potentially refer me business. And that's above and beyond the great value I'm going to continue to get from you and what I expect from you. Yep. And I know that on your site, you're launching a whole course that walks through all the stuff that you cover in network is not working kind of a, you know, a defined process that people can go through to build these networks of extraordinary value. Yeah, you know, essentially, um, I, most of what I covered in the book described the what and, and there seemed to be a lot of interest around the how. And I have so many email templates and, you know, uh, so many so many systems and, and a lot of different ideas and things that I've done over the years and a lot of others have done over the years that work really well. So the general idea is sort of like, you know, how to build a valuable network uh, without going to networking events. It's going to it's going to, inc- you know, increase the, the, the relationships that you already have and position yourself to meet more people who are like them. And, and so I think that, you know, for a lot of people, they may say, well, I don't have the time. I'm looking for the people that spend, you know, maybe one or two times a month going out to networking events because they already have a a good client mix. They already have, um, you know, a decent level, a decent number of connections. And I'm saying, Hey, give me that time and I'll show you how to repurpose it, how to host round table lunches, how to, uh, you know, how to set up other types of more intimate curated events with your clients and people that they, uh, that they know that you otherwise would not meet. They're not looking for 
you know, uh, to change their provider. They're not looking for someone like you. They might not even know they need what you provide. And furthermore, they might not even know that you exist. But by creating these different settings and these different events, you are A, doing something really great for an existing client. You're deepening that relationship, but you're letting them bring others into the mix and they're sharing that opportunity with them while giving you a great opportunity to meet people and engage with folks that you probably wouldn't have met otherwise. This is great wisdom, and I think it's something that is, uh, is, is sorely needed. Well, hey, Derek, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you and find you online? Best place would probably be DerekCoburn.com, so D-E-R-E-K-C-O-B-U-R-N.com. They can get directed to my book there. They can sign up for my blog, especially if they're interested in, uh, in the course. I also am on Facebook and Twitter fairly regularly in there. I'm at CadreDC.com. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. I know people got a ton out of this. And of course, we'll have all the details in the show notes. Thanks for hanging out, man. Thanks for all the kind words and for the opportunity, Ian. Really appreciate it, man. I just love talking to Derek about this stuff. He's such a wealth of knowledge. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key things I think you can put to work in your business right away. First, don't think about networking as just these big networking events. Think instead about how you can add value to your network and the people who are in it. Make sure that you understand for your clients who their ideal client is, and then don't jump too early to make an introduction to somebody you just met. Instead, if you can connect them with people in your network, then it's a little less risky because that person you just met may not have the chops yet. And then finally, what I want you to think about is Derek's suggestion to interview your clients for 10 minutes about their ideal client, trigger ongoing reciprocation, and use templates to make those referrals easier, and then seek event triggers for both your business and your clients so you know what people should be looking for. Remember, this program gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic you want me to cover, if there's a guest you think I've got to have on the program, drop me a note personally to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman, unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at Grow My Revenue.